All right. Hey, what's up, guys? We have Max here to talk about consciousness. He was on before to talk about his theory of consciousness. So what's going on, Max? How are you doing? I'm doing great. So once again, your theory is called um, philosophy of reason, right? Philosophy of reason. P-O-R, yeah. So we went over the... Yeah, so we went over that last time, and then this time I kind of want to go over more of like a general sense because I'm still kind of grappling with, you know, some of the even materialism or idealism stuff. And um, so first of all, yeah, can you tell us a little bit about yourself again? Um, I don't know if you have any, did you go to college in terms of philosophy or is it mainly just like um, personal research no, that you've done? Yeah, it's, it's mostly just reading and uh and and absorption uh from uh, uh from a hobbyist kind of perspective uh i don't, okay. I don't have uh, any any particular uh scholarly studies in uh in this area yeah and that's fine and who who are some of the guys that you that you would say that you've learned from in terms of the more of like the professional type um maybe physicists or philosophers or whatever well, most of most of them, most of the people I've learned the most from are the people I disagree with. Um, the the my my formative uh, uh, my formative experience was back in the seventies with uh, Richard Dawkins and his uh, uh, infamous um, uh, uh, work on uh, uh, evolution. Um, the 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 selfish gene. <laughs> that kind of got me started because I was a teenager at the time. I was just trying to figure out what on earth was going on around me. And he had some extremely interesting and uh, 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 pretty important things to say. But there was always something that sort of bothered me about it. And he never quite. He was he was trying to prove a point and he 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 made a he did a good job of of explaining why it's an important point but never really quite made the point he never uh, proved his thesis essentially he just uh, uh i uh he just managed to make a good argument for why it's a possible thesis without ever actually being able to say and this is why it must be so that kind of got me started. And then of course I, I did the whole, through my, through my early twenties and mid twenties, I did the, uh, a kind of uh, a generic soul searching, looking for a religion that works or a philosophy that works or a scientific answer for what's going on in terms of what's in my head and what's in everybody else's head. And sorry to um, cut you off, but what, sorry to cut you off, but what was Dawkins theory that he didn't quite prove do you feel oh, like the always... selfish gene are, are are you familiar at all with the book the selfish i'm gene. familiar with dawkins but i haven't read the dawkins. book right right well it's yeah. it was kind of dawkins first really big book it's what he made his name in this entire realm and his basic theory is one of uh adaptive uh altruism and can altruism or goodness or morality or helping others, compassion, whatever you want to call it, uh, 
is that a genetic trait of human beings or is it not? And the, the alternative theory is always, well, if it's not a genetic trait, then it's kind of just something we make up so it doesn't really matter, so it doesn't really exist. And that uh, 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 kind of leaves you with the, well, you either accept that it must be an adaptive evolutionary trait, something biological and genetic that we evolved, uh, and perhaps all other mammals have as well, um, or else it's completely a figment of our imagination. It's subjective and it should be completely ignored because everybody just has their own idea of what's moral and good. And ultimately it turns out, I now realize that's kind of a false dichotomy and that's the problem with, with some of that approach. But basically his argument was that uh, uh, adaptive altruism is possible because of uh, three general uh, mechanisms in biological evolution. One of which is kin selection. One of which is, uh, uh, I can't remember the term for it now. It's, it's groups of genes that get passed along simply because they happen to be near each other on the DNA strands. And since the mechanisms that break up the, the DNA for replication don't actually begin and end at gene spots, at gene stop and start points, uh, sometimes this can cause two different genes that have essentially nothing to do with each other. They can still get passed on as if they were uh, uh, biologically linked simply because they're close to each other on the sequence of, uh, of our DNA. Um, and the third one is the one that actually started the, 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 the modern usage of the word meme. He kind of invented the word meme at the time, but he was more or less adapting the, the, the root from the word memory and, and uh, uh, all the other uses of MEM in terms of mental stuff that we do. Um, which eventually became what we call memes, uh, which isn't necessarily really directly related to what Dawkins was talking about. But the did the name meme that we know of with like the little graphics? Did that kind of derive right. from graphics have, with text? Well, meme. Uh, did that derive from his? Yes, from his. That derived, that's that's where the the word came from. It's not where the usage came from. The word was actually in, he 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 coined the phrase uh, me, the 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 word meme to be the uh, the essentially the 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 intellectual the mental the neurological I should say the neurological equivalent to the gene where uh, have you ever heard uh, uh, information is a virus right where uh, a bit of knowledge or an idea gets passed from brain to brain and gets replicated through the through our brains, through our, our using these ideas and communicating to them to other people. And so knowledge is a virus. <laughs> that was his basic idea. Now, the, the problem with the approach, uh, as far as his argument for the basis of 
adaptive altruism or the existence of morality, if you will, is that there isn't any physical analog to the gene. Genes we know physically exist. We can, we can uh, chemically identify them. Uh, uh, they're, so they're, even though they're, they're kind of difficult to uh, understand in a way because it's the information in the sequence of amino acids, uh, not the amino acids themselves, which are the gene, there's still a physical basis to genetics. Mimetics, or uh, the idea that, that knowledge is a, a virus or ideas are, are means uh, uh, the way, the way uh, DNA is genes, uh, that, that doesn't, it, it works as a, as a metaphor, as an idea maybe, but it falls apart as a scientific approach because there isn't any code underlying means. Now, that was his basic idea. The idea that knowledge is like a virus. Well, then you get the internet, which didn't happen for another couple of decades after he coined this word meme. Um, and and the, 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 the profundity of uh, the idea of, uh, of viral communications uh, uh, became more obvious to everybody. And so they, the, that was put together in a very uh, 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 well, just a day-to-day a, a, a -day kind of way, not on purpose by any particular person, but that got put together with his use of the word meme. And that's how we came up with calling pictures with text on them that that have a that have a, a that have a, a a viral intellectual point, calling those memes. So he did. He he wasn't intentionally uh, 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 identifying that kind of thing, and he certainly didn't have any anything specific in mind about you know pictures with text on them, graphics with text. And 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 internet memes, um, but that is why we call them memes is because of Richard yeah. Dawkins and his book, uh, The Selfish Gene. But what part do you feel like he didn't prove with? Um, well, there's also not to get off on this tangent, but there's also right. mean or mene, right? M e n e, which is like, is it mene like the the? It's like the um the I, I want to say it's like the first you know, um. Like the first cell or whatever. Have you heard the term many before? Or? No, no, I'm not familiar yeah. with that. If you're able to look it up, I'll, I might have yeah, to look it up. Um, I'll have to look into that. So in terms of what he said, though, about. Um, uh, adaptive altruism. Yeah, yeah. So in terms of. Yeah, and I do, I do, I, I also do kind of want to get into evolutionary psychology, evolutionary biology too, and you, which is, do you know anything about, it sounds like you know about that, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so, it, yeah. Um, all right, I'll have to look up the word and mean, mean, I'm not finding what I'm, what I thought it was, but, um. Yeah, I guess I could be wrong about that, but I'll, I'll get back to you on that. But um, 
so yeah in terms of evolutionary well in terms of yeah in terms of disproving his point you don't personally think that um what he's kind of saying is that uh, or what what do you disagree with with the yeah. effective effective well, altruism it's, essentially it's that it's the uh, uh, that that uh altruism goodness morality compassion for others isn't a genetic trait of human beings it's an intellectual trait of consciousness it's something that any consciousness is going to do because of the nature of consciousness but it's completely unrelated to the biological precursors that generate the consciousness uh, and so i don't think so he was trying very specifically very intentionally and intensely in fact uh to 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 support this idea of uh uh uh, compassion being a genetic uh, mechanism, an adaptive trait, adaptive altruism. And I don't think he made his point. And in fact, I, over the years, over the decades since then, I managed to work out really why uh, not only isn't uh, altruism adaptive, but it can't be adaptive. Because as soon as it's biologically adaptive it's not altruism anymore it's just biological existence it's just self-serving selfish genes see the the thing about the, the the one of the things about that book that encapsulates the whole idea the whole issue of the selfish gene of this genetic idea of uh, adaptive altruism is the title because it was kind of a it's kind of a joke. It's kind of a, a a trick that he played, because the way it's put, if you don't know anything about, uh, or I should say, if you didn't know anything about things that many of us know so much about now these days, back in the seventies when he published this book, um, a title, "The Selfish Gene," gives the uh, uh, idea it presents a suggestion that there would be a gene for selfishness and that if we don't have a gene for selfishness then we would be selfless then we would be compassionate all the time but his real uh thesis which is the this is absolute scientific fact incontrovertible is that all genes are selfish they can only and that was his point was genes only replicate uh, uh, adaptively in terms of evolving uh, in ways that are good for that gene. Genes can't uh, uh, reproduce more effectively other than by reproducing themselves more effectively. So all genes are by nature selfish in that way, if you want to use the term. They're, they're, they're only self-interested. And he wanted to he wanted to disprove you know he wanted to overcome that idea by saying yes but there are these mechanisms by which uh, this apparently impossible idea of a biological basis a genetic benefit to being altruistic or compassionate or good uh, of of helping each other well 
it can overcome the selfish nature of genes and produce a selflessness, a, 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 an altruistic uh, adaptation, which once it's there will benefit itself by benefiting others. And so the basic idea is if you have a population of, of replicators, of, of uh, organisms that are just reproducing genetically and, and uh, will therefore be, uh, 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 the, the results will, will be controlled by uh, natural selection, then if you have one organism within that population, which, which has a mutant gene uh, different than its parents had, which because of the mutation that occurred, it provides that organism the ability to be uh, altruistic, to help other organisms within that population. The, uh, the idea of adaptive altruism is by helping others within that population, since it exists within that population, it would therefore be of benefit to itself. This is called a doctor gene, right? Because you have a, a, a population that's all got, that all of, the, all of the organisms have this gene called the warrior gene. They fight, they, they conquer other uh, environments and uh, other creatures outside their population. And by doing so, they benefit. But if you have one organism with a mutant warrior gene that turns out to be a doctor gene so that it can help the warriors by fixing them up when they take damage during the battles that the warriors create, well, that would help the, the, the organism with the doctor gene by helping its society. And it gets very difficult to even describe what the problem that comes up is when you do this kind of, of reasoning, especially when it's me against Richard Dawkins, who is considered to be an extremely intelligent and well-educated man, the problem is that argument simply doesn't work because the one doctor gene organism is gonna help the warrior gene organisms reproduce, but within its population, it has no adaptive advantage. So the doctor gene isn't going to increase in frequency. So adaptive altruism is genetically impossible. According to the rules of evolution of the fact that all genes can only increase in frequency in the gene pool, if the trait that they result in increases the frequency of those genes in the gene pool, if it helps itself, if it's a selfish gene. And doctor genes by definition can't be. They have to help other genes produce more, reproduce more than the doctor gene itself does, the, the organism with the doctor gene. So it doesn't really matter how you work it, try and work it out. Altruism cannot be genetically adaptive. It is always going to be a sacrifice for the individual creature, which will make it less uh, reproductively successful within that population, or else whatever that trait is that you're referring to, it's not altruistic. It's not self-sacrificing, it's self-serving. So it all comes down to a kind of 
uh, epistemological argument of definitions about whether or not a, you call something uh, adaptive or maladaptive and the way people, uh, the, 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 the basis that people have for their argumentation these days, once you get into that tar pit, there, there's no getting out. In fact, in fact, I got to admit, I've, I got uh, uh, banned from the R philosophy subreddit for having just that very same argument. And all I was doing was trying to explain how genetic population uh, studies use the word maladaptive in a way that, that, that doesn't make a general say, it works perfectly fine for the uses they have for it, but it doesn't work in a general sense if it does not identify uh, a self-sacrificing uh, uh, behavior as maladaptive. And why, why, why would you just get, why would you get banned just for having like a, an argument, you know what I mean? Like, or a debate or like well, a uh, position. Obviously it depends on who you ask. Uh, according to the people I was debating, it was because I was uncivil, although I am not an, an uncivil person. Uh, from my perspective, it looks for all the world like I got banned for, for making too good an argument. And by making people very, very, uh, uncomfortable about the assumptions that they had based their their uh their their worldview on uh because that's all yeah. i was saying was maladaptive yeah. the 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 person who i had i'd been discussing it with uh uh kept saying you can't say that that altruism is by definition maladaptive look at all of these things that where being maladaptive doesn't doesn't die out of a population. And he would present these studies, I'm presuming it's a he, they'd present these studies um, in, in you know, scholarly work of population genetics where they would be talking about supposedly maladaptive traits. And in every single case, it was a trait that was adaptive when it evolved and only became maladaptive because of human influence on their environment. So for instance, uh, a, a creature which, uh, which for, for which uh, uh, artificial lights at night is a maladaptive thing, you know, because they, uh, moths, right? Uh, circling around lights. Because for millions of years, moths evolved where the only night bright light in the sky at night was the moon. And so they could use the moon for navigation and they, evolved to do that. But once humans started creating bright artificial lights outdoors in the, uh, at night, moths started circling those lights because their genetic programming told them that was what they're supposed to do because they think, so to speak, it's the moon. They react as if it's the moon. That prevents them from actually getting where they're trying to go and reproducing. Now it will Yeah, take let me let me try and summarize everything because yeah, sure. Because a lot of this stuff I think I mean overall I think I get the gist but I just don't want to I want to make sure it doesn't go over my head or the listener's head. Um so first of all what what you're saying well what he's saying and then you're debating would be that everyone is essentially just 
selfish basically right at, at our core in evolution we're just selfish basically so there's no way of getting around basically this the selfish gene i guess is what you're saying right no 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 not really at all um, okay yeah and i'm not sure who the who the he you were talking about arguing that where you're talking about dawkins or the guy i was talking about oh no dawkins with- Doc, our Dawkins. philosophy. So in Dawkins, Dawkins book, okay, the, back selfish, to the selfish, yeah, in the selfish gene, he was trying to say that basically, oh, yes. we then could yes. go from no, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, we right, could go no. from being self, a selfish animal, essentially like exactly. a tiger or like a monkey or whatever, to right. what we are now. Now, my right. question to you is, and you're kind of disagreeing with him in that, right? Saying that like there's no way for us to evolve in that in that way. Because of the genes, the genes, the way that the genes evolve I, I, is. I'm right. I'm saying it, it can't be a, a, a simple biological evolution that occurs and produces that result. The, but there the could, there could be some, there could be some other kind of answer for it. Like maybe we just got to a point where like, we're almost like maybe smart we got smart enough to be like okay maybe we should be like helping each other out as opposed to like just be selfish not only that but there's also there's also dogs right where dogs dogs are kind of and i know you're feeling on animals but like dogs are kind of like naturally to their master they're like um they're altruistic or whatever like they they do what their master wants they're not just selfish well and there's reasons Dogs are a special case because they didn't naturally, they didn't evolve that way naturally. We caused them to, to develop that way through our artificial selection. We domesticated them so that the only dogs that, we, that are dogs instead of wolves now um, are the ones that have that, that loyalty. But it isn't necessarily a an adaptive trait outside of the human society, which breeds dogs. If now it's not to say that if you, if you let dogs go feral, well, no, it is to say, if you let a population of dogs go feral, they're gonna be at a disadvantage against the wolves that, that are already in that environment because the wolves don't have that essentially what is now maladaptive uh, genetic behavior of what we uh, bred dogs to do in terms of being loyal to their master and listening to human beings and, and all of that kind of stuff. So in terms, so in terms of, in terms of um, what's it called evolution, like not evolution, but um, Darwin's theory, like um, doggy dog type in terms of natural selection, if we just put all the, these dogs out into the wild the wolves would just kill them when and then the wolves well, would just essentially no the wolves increase. wouldn't necess- wouldn't nec- the wolves wouldn't necessarily kill them they just wouldn't be able to out compete the the wolves for resources well that's that's kind of what i mean the so, wolves would, yeah it's, it's, they would win out it's, a, they would win it's out. a subtle difference but it's important when trying to work through the biology of 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 genetic evolution you, you have to try and uh, avoid that oversimplification of the, the Darwin Award kind of thing, where it's as simple as 
the creatures that don't do this get killed. Well, no, they just don't reproduce as much as the creatures that do do that. And that is why backing it up again to the, the whole doctor gene thing, that's why adaptive, uh, 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 adaptive altruism isn't really possible in genetic terms because whatever singular organism gets that uh, 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 ability to be compassionate towards others in its population as a mutation in its, in its gene, uh, in its DNA, whichever creature gets that, if it actually works like that, it benefits the creatures that don't have it. And so it doesn't actually make it more likely that that gene is going to be reproduced. In fact, it makes it more likely that the other genes, the other alleles, alternatives to that gene are the ones who are going that are going to reproduce. So what's so what's what would be your theory then as as to how, how we got? Well, it's like it's like you said. I mean, you you put it in a way I I I quibble with because you know we got smart enough well it isn't really smart but then again i don't want to bother with that because i don't know what the word smart is supposed to mean other than whatever we think it means when we use it well to a certain yeah. extent to a certain extent i think we we may or somebody else and i have talked about this before it is kind of like a by according to like game theory if somebody has told me that it is the best way to to get along and to live in a society and to and right right like well we're, that's we're but, obviously living better than so it might not be smart or well that's 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 kind adapt. of uh, assuming the conclusion basically is like yeah well whatever we mean by smart yeah i get it there's there's value to being smart and we define smart as whatever is valuable um but but what you said was essentially correct we became conscious we didn't evolve a, a, uh, a genetic trait of compassion. What we did was evolved a genetic trait of consciousness and consciousness automatically intellectually develops compassion. Do you understand that you, you see what the difference is? I mean, it's a slight difference. Yeah, so con consciousness what, what kind of, consciousness in a, in a way kind of helps us to be like, moral essentially right because consciousness is the only thing that enables us to be moral there's no morality outside of consciousness now that isn't the same thing as saying morality doesn't exist you know as as a as a, a physical dimension of the universe although it's close <laughs> morality is kind of a is really just a shorthand for reasoning that we go through because we are conscious, which is, you know, basically just the ability to reason, every kid figures out on their own that uh, being unfair is bad because they hate it when people are unfair to them. And that's the, the essence of morality. If you get down to it, modern philosophers never talk about morality for that very reason. They talk about ethics because they want it to be a nice calculatable quid pro quo social contract kind of mechanism. <clears throat> but it's just a little bit, tiny bit more than that. It's, it's really what everybody has always talked about morality being about. It's what uh, uh, Socrates was, was trying to talk about when they discussed 
virtue. And it's what Christians are talking about when they're talking about being saved by the Lord. In the end, yeah, the so, Buddhists and their and their and their cones and their and their navel gazing, it all comes down to the same thing. And it's both consciousness itself and morality, because they're really just two sides of the same coin. You can't you can't even I I uh, 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 imagine the idea of something like morality existing unless you're conscious and but as soon as you're conscious you're inevitably going to imagine something like morality existing so i really think of it as more of a of an inherent part of the universe morality a dimension non-physical but no less real than all the physical dimensions simply because any entity which is conscious must have some conception of morality of altruism of compassion of theory of mind which is what it comes back to philosophically is the idea of theory of mind which when most yeah. people hear the phrase theory of mind they think of a a hypothesis of mentation a mechanism that produces consciousness and in a way, it kind of is that, but it's more an issue of supposing there is such a thing as mind. And that is what I am doing by supposing that, is having a mind. I exist. Others must exist in that same way. They look the same. They seem to act the same. Maybe they have minds just like I do. So consciousness is theory of mind. And theory of mind is consciousness they're not really two separate things and and theory of mind doesn't refer to a a scientific hypothesis of how cognition causes uh uh experiencing yeah so in terms of you know religion versus evolution do you feel like religion has played a part in because i've talked to some people who feel like the Bible and religion and Christianity is the reason why we are moral as opposed to evolution. Do you feel like that's Wait, true or? Well, no, but it's, it's inevitable that that's a, a it's a valid perspective, even if it's not uh, true in the way that people who would disagree with it, expect it to be true. The way I see it is this religion is nothing more than the way science was done before we discovered science. Religion is just trying to figure out how the universe works when you don't have empirical experiments and the ability to make objective quantifiable measurements in order to try and figure it out. But all of the things that physics is, is, is attempting to uh, explain well, physics doesn't actually explain. It just documents them. In terms of explaining them, you can't go anywhere except you got to go back to philosophy. And when you go back to philosophy, you're going to run up to religion because there's not a clear divide between any of these things. The closest you can get to a clear divide between science and religion is that science is the religion of empiricism and religion is the science of experientialism yeah so do you think that there's any truth to 
religion or no? Like, are, are you religious? Or are you are you an atheist? Or are you no, no. Well, I'm I'm a very religious non-a. Uh, I'm a very religious uh, non-agnostic atheist. I, I I consider the philosophy of of reason that I've described my philosophy. I consider that a religion. It is a religion in all ways. It is an atheistic religion. And if you consider all religion, you know, basically, if you're thinking of religion as theism, the idea, the belief in God, then that's, then you're, then you're off track. I'm not a, my, my atheism is a kind of hyper intense intellectual atheism, wherein I recognize that God cannot possibly exist, and that doesn't prevent God from existing if it does. There may well be a God. There is a God. We just don't really know what it is. It isn't necessarily, well, it isn't certainly what most conventional orthodox religious uh, uh, scriptural religion people would think of as God. It isn't a conscious universe-wide entity uh, that, 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 you know, has, has consciousness. And, <clears throat> uh, you know, it isn't easy to talk about what God is or isn't. But strictly speaking, if, you know, if, 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 when I've got to write it down, yeah, I'm definitely an atheist, but I see the value in all religion anyway. Yeah, and I, I think there's, there's goods and, and bads to it, I guess, right? Yeah, exactly. I'm not, a, well, there's goods and bads to science, too. If you, if you only look at the, what the Nazis did, you get a pretty, fuck, excuse me, strange idea of, of, of what science is about. And, you know, if you keep bringing up Mengel every time anybody talks about doctors, then you, you're not really going to have the same perspective on science as most other people do. Does that mean your ideas are wrong or right? Well, that's a, a, an argument I'm not willing to get into because it, it assumes the conclusion. You're just trying to, trying to justify your own beliefs rather than discover what is actually true. And what is actually true is there isn't anything inherently wrong in religion. There is inherently something good in religion, but that doesn't mean all religion is equally good. I'm a very religious atheist, but that doesn't make me an anti-theist. I'm not against believing in God because it's an affront to my intellectual ability to 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 logic but that's the basis of my philosophy of reason that's where it came from to begin with it's what what why i went from reading richard dawkins selfish gene to trying to figure out which which religion uh can can provide me some emotional comfort to none of the above and did you did you ever to, get into any religions that did help for the time being or well i was raised religions? as a roman catholic I, I went to 12 years of parochial school um so yeah. i'm very that's that was that's where i started from i departed from from the from the from the standard catholicism view of religion 
and, and, and essentially fundamentalism, the belief that, that, you know, my religion is the right one and everyone else's is the wrong one. And now I'm at the point past my whole uh, uh, anti-religious atheism phase that most other people who are atheists today are still stuck in. I'm at a point where I say that uh, uh, I am not anti-religious, I am very pro-religious, but I am not necessarily pro-theism because the, the theistic perspective that most people have is very egocentric in a way because they 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 have to believe they have to think of god as a basically a person a magical person but a person like they are who thinks and feels and experiences uh, the process of time none of which the 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 the, the scholarly philosophers of religion have to bother with and so they think that's an out so they can just say well but that's just the prosaic idea of god in our in our serious scholarly philosophy of religion we don't bother with junk like that we we understand and it, it ends up the same place they're just as lost as anybody who's you know, looking to Richard Dawkins to be the the the, the savior of mankind and, and and explain to him where where altruism and morality comes from. Well, for one, so what would you do? You said that your philosophy is a religion. What would you define as a religion? Is it just something with like dogmas or like like um like Reli principles? Religion to or? me. Well, if if I have to define it, and I'm not a big fan of definitions, I I I prefer meaning, and I don't want to. It could be a seven hour podcast just on what the what i see is the difference between definition and meaning but anyway not to quibble the way i would identify the way i would describe what religion is is whatever you use to derive your morality from how you explain it how you justify it and what causes it that's religion it doesn't okay. matter whether or not you put in any scientific pretense in there or any scriptural pretense in there or any uh, a metaphysical Buddhist kind of uh, uh, karma uh, uh, mechanisms in there, it's all still doing the same thing, which is uh, explaining what morality is and where it comes from. So would you consider atheism a religion then or no because it not it doesn't not really by itself about... not just atheism itself i wouldn't call a religion but i do believe everyone has religion and those uh militant atheists often treat atheism as a religion yes and even though they may or may not get their morality from atheism right they probably don't get any really morality from it well that's that's the problem that's the problem is they often do I mean, they, there's no way to know where they get their morality. If they are militant atheists, at best, they're going to insist that morality is just whatever I say morality is, which is kind of uh, the opposite of morality in my, from my perspective. But then again, who's to say, I'm not God. I can't decree what is or is not moral. I can, all I can only tell you how I see it. I can explain my religion. They can explain theirs. If part of explaining their religion is 
insisting it isn't a religion, then, well, that's, that's part of their religion too, then, I guess, is that act of self-denial, that, that uh, 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 insistence on, on being contrary, because it, many people treat atheism as their religion, although atheism itself, I wouldn't call a religion. Uh, yeah. But it ends up being just a, you know. So well in, term, in terms of religion, do you feel like the main reason why we have it is to kind of, like you said, to basically comfort yourself, kind of like the, um, the opiate for the masses or whatever, kind of like. Well, that's um, most, that's most of the, the reason of we is? still have it. That's most of the reason we still have it is that science gives us absolutely no emotional comfort at all. And that includes, you know, even the, the, the soft sciences of, you know, psychology and sociology and all of that, which I don't really take seriously as science because I, I like the idea that science means hard science. I think psychology does though. Like, I think that if you go to a psychologist, I don't think there needs to be any like religion involved in, in order for the, the, the psychologist to comfort you or to, to essentially well, kind of tell you what's I, maybe I going that, on. I think that, I think that it uh, illustrates how much of psychology is in fact a religion that it is used to comfort people that way. Um, yeah, the only because, problem with that, though, the only problem with calling almost everything a, a religion is, and it's it kind of like, it kind of like makes the term less, right? Because it's like I can just I, call anything a religion. I can I, call this what we're doing right now. You know what I mean? Like, I understand um, what you, I understand what you're saying, and and yeah, I kind of agree with it. But that's that's true of any word. You know, if it means everything, it means nothing. This to me. This, this is religion. This, this is the, 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 the first new church of hope right here. Um, we're trying to work out what consciousness is. And how is that any different than what all of the all of the theists throughout history were doing when they wrote down what they thought was divinely inspired words? They're trying to figure out what's going on. And so well, that's one that's one question I have for you is when the theists by the theists you mean the people who wrote the Bible? Um, by, well, by theist I mean anybody who believes in God. Theism yeah, yeah. Is so, so when the when the Bible was written, do you like how do you think the Bible came about in the first place? Do you think that those people actually thought that they were um, being spoken to by God, or do you think that it was some sort of some of them did, some of them didn't, and you know, you, you, uh, uh, there's no way to know for certain for them or for anyone else between them and us in terms of how much is 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 divine inspiration still inspiration even if there's no divinity. <clears throat> um, I certainly don't have a lot of. Well, I don't have any uh, uh, factual respect for the the Christian Bible, but there's some very important things in there, and I don't mean things like you know rules for how to live for guiding us. I mean things like 
uh, uh, literary approaches and and illustrations of complex uh, uh, psychological dynamics uh, uh, in in poetic terms. I think the the can the, you hold can you hold right there? I, I have to sure. go to the bathroom. Is that all right? Okay. All right. Sorry. I no hate problem. to cut it off right here. It just I've been that's, meeting, meeting. Yeah. No problem. I, uh, it's a good spot to stop. All right, we're back, guys. All right. Well, what I was going to say was, I I think there's something very uh, interesting and and very on topic. In fact, what we're uh, uh, supposed to be talking about here, consciousness, um, in the Bible, in the standard <laughs> Christian Bible. Um, yeah. In terms of the story of Genesis, of the, the book of Genesis, right? The origin of creation and all. There's actually two different uh, stories of the origin of humans in the book of Genesis. Now, the uh, most people don't uh, quite realize this because it's not said a lot. Some people intensely deny it, even though it's plainly obvious if you actually read the thing. But there's two different stories of the, of creation. The first is the seven days of creation. Everyone knows that, right? And the first day, God created light, and then, you know, uh, fun, separating, uh, well, what was he, divided the, the firmaments. He spent three or four days dividing firmaments of water above and water below and yada, yada, yada. And then on the seventh day, he rested. Now, on the sixth day, he had actually created human beings already, along with all the other animals on the planet. And that was the end of the first story of creation. The second story of creation retcons uh, the last bit of that, where God has, has, has created the universe and this uh, uh, garden, the Garden of Eden story, right? So the first story of creation is the seven days. The second story is the Garden of Eden. and People often just assume, because they're not looking at the details, that this is all one long story. But the truth is, it's two entirely separate stories. The Garden of Eden story, of course, we all know is about Adam and Eve. He had, God had the garden. He created Adam. Adam was lonely, so he created Eve. He told Adam and Eve, you can eat anything you want in this garden. It's got all the fruits and, and vegetables you'll need for the rest of your life which, by the way, uh, is going to be forever because you're immortal. Just don't ever eat from that one tree. Uh, uh, typically, it's described as the knowledge of good and evil. And then the serpent, which is Satan, shows up and tempts Eve by telling her that God had lied to them and she ought to eat that apple because it will give her, uh, uh, I guess, well, whatever it was going to give her. It doesn't matter. And the, the, the different versions vary a bit. The point is, this whole second story of the Garden of Eden is actually uh, about not the physical origins of humankind, but a, it's a, uh, an evaluation of the uh, existence of consciousness itself, of what consciousness means. The way it's normally expressed, of course, is free world will. Now, the, uh, the, the primary uh, 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 lesson of the philosophy of reason, as I discussed last time I was on your 
podcast uh, uh, concerning the philosophy of reason is this matter of free will and the fact that free will doesn't in fact exist, it's physically impossible, but there is this thing called self-determination, which is what most people are thinking of when they talk about free will. But the point is, the, the story in the Bible is all about that. How can God tell us uh, not to eat? Why would they eat the fruit if God told them not to? And why would God tell them not to? Was he just testing them? And why would he punish them for, well, you, since he's the one who created them fallible enough to eat it, yada, yada, yada. Completely separate from the first story of creation. Now, what this actually means to me is that the, the book of Genesis, at least the first two chapters, which are these two different stories of uh, creation, are two entirely different uh, uh, treaties, uh, theses on uh, or the origins of mankind, which are perfectly valid in today's day. Uh, both uh, the, the first one is the scientific approach. The first one is uh, uh, the, the, the universe is mechanistic, it uh, has to do with uh, formation of broken symmetries instead of uh, uh, dividing the firmaments. But other than that, it's a reductionist view that the universe is based on fundamental principles and, and, and less complex things uh, 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 build up to become more complex things in their interactions and all of that. So it's a very uh, physicalist view, even though, of course, it's not physicalist in the terms of the fact that it's a, a religious story. It's, it's a story in the Bible. But that's the approach that it was taking, and it was very wise for its time. The second story of creation. So basically, just to, just, to, just to summarize yeah. what you said, yeah. basically what you're saying is that like um, <clears throat> the Bible kind of talks about free will or lack of free will basically and then also um right i mean basically it's well, like in the, in the first story of creation in the seven days of creation human beings were just another kind of animal and in fact we are aren't we we're just an animal we're like any other animal we we eat and we breathe and we screw and we have babies just like all the other mammals do we are biological creatures through and through. But there's something else about us that is different than all other animals. And that's what the second story is about. And that's consciousness, free will or self-determination or morality or you know, deontology versus consequentialism. However you wanna put it, it's an, it's, it's an analysis of uh, reasoning and thought and our existence as consciousnesses rather than our existence as biological creatures. And, okay. and there's a divide between those two stories that, that uh, uh, like I said, most people are either not aware of or emphatically uh, but unsuccessfully deny. So you think there's a possibility that they kind of knew at one point we were kind of animals without morals or consciousness well, they, they, and then they, we they, kind of we kind of turned into conscious moral 
human humans or they, whatever people they understood are. both that we are biological creatures like any other biological creatures and also that we are thinking reasoning entities conscious entities unlike all any other biological creatures so you think to a certain extent even back then somehow even they kind then. of even they kind of knew they were dealing with the exact same issues we are still dealing with in terms of trying to figure out what consciousness is and was would this be i don't even really know would this be when they wrote this would this be like around the same time as like plato aristotle or is this probably a few a couple of thousands of years before them okay so basically you're kind of saying in a metaphorical sense they were kind of explaining what yeah, not, went on yeah. but um, you don't I think you don't do you do you think they, I think they were saying in a very literal knew, sense <laughs> in a literal sense but when people like you said when people read it they yeah. don't really fully understand what you just said so it right. it somewhat is a metaphor um right. say, a lot yes. of people just read it very some some people read it straightforward some people read it as a metaphor but um do you think that they at least felt like they knew what it, like when they were writing it? Do, do they? Do you think that they were writing it like as fact, as um, nonfiction, or do you think they were writing it as fiction? Um, well, they they weren't writing it as as they weren't writing it as entertainment, you know, kind of fiction. They were writing the first story. I think they were writing as a scientific treatise. They were like, this is what our observations have shown is the most likely physical explanation for what our observances are straightforward they had no empiricism they had no <laughs> you know uh, uh, they, they did not have our science but it was nevertheless science the second story the garden of eden is more of a uh, uh of a philosophical uh, uh, a philosophical parable in terms of trying to explain the paradox of consciousness and its relationship to morality now of course at the time they did presume those people who were writing it i presume and it, it wasn't like a single coherent group of people or even single person this was generations and centuries of different people working over the same base material to put it in the form that we now see uh, millennia later. And that, that, that same process occurred throughout the Middle Ages and even in the, in the, in the most recent centuries in terms of uh, uh, massaging the, the text of the Bible into the form we see it in today. So there's no uh, uh, unerring nature of divine inspiration in there. But nevertheless, it's what they were trying to do, was trying to uh, uh, explore and explain and evaluate what consciousness is and what morality is. And yes, they did probably start with a premise that there was a, a creator being. Everybody did until, uh, until Charles Darwin figured out that it's at all possible that anything else could be the explanation. Even 
uh, Descartes was, you know, was a, a religious man. He believed very fully that there has to be a God <clears throat> or else nothing could possibly exist or at least make sense. So what, in, about, Pla in, what about Plato and Aristotle? Did, did they believe in God? Probably not, right? Well, that would... <laughs> Uh, uh, that's the whole. Uh, <laughs> oh, gee, um, that's the whole uh, a moral to the story. If you think there is a moral to the story, that's the whole point of Socrates' arc in Plato's writing uh, was his uh, uh, his atheism, or rather, his agnosticism. Is he refused to accept that the uh, the that the gods uh, that the that the Greeks of Athens believed in were necessarily true. He didn't insist that they weren't true. He just said, yeah, but it's possible there are no such gods. I'm not saying there's no such thing as gods. I can't say for sure that no gods exist, but I will not say that I know for a fact that those particular gods of our city exist because I don't have any direct information, direct knowledge uh, that, that, that they do. And they, you know, executed him for it because that was heresy. I was not familiar with the end of the uh, of, of Socrates. Uh, I, no, no, I no. So that that, that would be that would be one one bad to religion, right? Is that they literally would, executed well, people for not being religious? That's the 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 standard telling of Socrates' uh, uh, literary arc of Socrates is that he was an atheist. Uh, martyr, that he that he uh, uh, died for the cause of 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 pure reasoning. I don't think it's really that simple, but it's it, close enough. I'm not going to I'm not going to argue it with uh, uh, with you. Um, so just the fact that he questioned God. Well, really it's not he... just the fact that he questioned God. It's that he insisted on questioning God. It's not that he was simply being curious. He was being, a, a, essentially, he was being a troll. He was uh, uh, trying, he was doing what they accused him of doing, trying to get the youth of Athens to question divine authority. He was threatening to unleash chaos on their society by, by insisting that there was no intellectual basis for their social compact, essentially, because yeah. that's what belief in civic gods was at the time in that society. And then is this, do you think this is kind of like the reason why, do you know who Jordan Peterson is? I, I'm familiar with the name. I, I, I will remember more clearly once you describe it, I think, but I don't. Yeah, so he's, he, he's like a very kind of... Um, provocative i guess you could call him philosopher he's gotten like really popular within the past couple of years and yeah i don't think he technically is a christian but he believes he teaches the bible and like youtube videos and like he believes that we should believe in the bible and god i think for moral reasons do you do you feel like there's truth to that like like what you were just saying about socrates how yeah, he no, there isn't any, right. like, no, no i think kind of no, I, I, I think that's also going going the wrong way. I think it's important. So you think you think be. that if you think that if we give up on 
if we give up on God and, you know, basically we're going the way of kind of people not believe in religion, you think that like society could actually kind of crumble because there are no divine laws kind of like, it's just no, everybody has their own. Um, if, and that if, was the whole thing, that, was, that was the whole thing with Nietzsche too, how he said God if, is dead. Exactly. Whatever, right? If everybody accepted that morality has no, uh, to go back to Richard Dawkins, if everybody accepted that re that morality has no genetic basis, has no adaptive value, is not uh, 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 something that that uh, naturally evolved, and that compassion is the way we should be by nature. If nobody which Dawkins, that, which Dawkins, sorry to cut you off, but which Dawkins was was trying to prove what you said he didn't right. In that book, right. he was trying to prove right, that we right. He was trying to he was trying yeah. to prove that that adaptive that altruism could be adapted an adaptive trait, and and I believe he didn't do a good. He, he, the reason he failed is because it can't be. He just didn't really want to accept that, um, and thought. You know, I'm, I'm not saying he was he was being disingenuous at all. He thought that that uh, kin selection and genetic gene complexes could in fact explain genetic, uh, uh, a genetic basis for morality. But why, I why, why, why if, kin selection? If kin selection, well- Is, that, kind of, is, the, that, like, is that kind of like the love thing? Like we kind of have love because- is, of, Well, it's, it's kind of an anti-love if you ask me, but I, I think you might be speaking of the same idea. Kin selection is the idea that since it's our genes that evolve, not necessarily our organisms, our organisms don't change throughout our life. So we don't evolve. Our populations evolve and our genes evolve. The idea of kin selection is just the fact that if you, if your behavior, if the traits that you genetically manifest enable your siblings to have more children, then that will effectively be the same as directly enabling you to have more children because the gene doesn't care which, which organism it's inside of. As long as the gene becomes more frequent in the gene pool, the, the, the job of natural selection is done. So kin selection basically is a, uh, a, a, a biological justification for tribalism where it's okay to be uh to to benefit people in your group more than people outside of your group because it is good for your group and as i was saying before with richard dawkins it becomes well why why did why does the group matter why why, why well that's all, the problem is it doesn't really but that's the hinge that they need that's the hook that they need to explain how this works the but population why, genetics. Why, why do why do they need that hook why does it matter if you're white or black or mexican or you know or hispanic well, it's or not necessarily white or black or mexican but what is it well, it could be any of those things or many other things is my point is it's not necessarily the, uh, the, the hmm. well, uh, ultimately, this is the problem is, yes, if you take that supposedly scientific view, uh, 
you, you end up racist. <laughs> if whites and blacks are why? genetically why, 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 why though? If whites and blacks are genetically different, then one of them has to be superior to the other. That's it's scientific thing. It's logic. It's one no, of no, them no, but why, I'm, a, I'm not understanding. I'm not understanding why the the race thing or the group or whatever like even plays into this at all. Because of the nature of evolution, because of biology, because bio evolution is all about population genetics. It's groups of organisms. It's not an individual. It's not one organism can't re replicate itself unless it's a bacteria. Uh, Organisms of the kind of creature we are need groups to reproduce, you know, to in order for them to reproduce. So what evolves are groups or populations of creatures, not individual organisms. And it all depends on what you call a group. You can call humans a group and you could call only Homo sapiens a group and other humans Homo uh, uh, erectus or, or Neanderthals or whatever, you could consider them outside of that group, or you could consider them inside of that group. All depends on how you define your groups. You well, could that's consider kind of, that's kind of different though. And I, but because well, if you're talking about the group as like human beings, it's then there's nothing wrong with, you know. Well, according to some people, there is. They're, they're, it's a very saying that very, you saying that you shouldn't like you shouldn't reproduce with like a another very, mammal or whatever. No, no, no. Speciesism they call it these days, where where you where you say whether or not something is good based on whether it's good for human beings. It's like, well, what about all the other animals? Don't they have as much right as we do to survive and 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 use the play? You know, don't they have as much other justification for being on the planet? Kind of thing. It's it's a matter of what your perspective is. And the, the problem with all of this isn't that you have to have some sort of category uh, in order to do any kind of logic or reasoning. The problem is when you allow those categories to be fluid for the benefit of your argument, when you, when you use uh, uh, shifting ideas of what a group is. I'm still kind of confused on the whole thing. I don't really see because it's like, okay, let's just say, okay, so in order for our species to continue, humans, like Homo sapiens or whatever you want to call them, like you can have sex with any, you can reproduce with any group of humans. Yes, that's true. We are a species, a single species. So then why, the how, how does the tribal thing really come into it? Like you... You were talking about kin selection and it's well, like it doesn't it it well because <laughs> because evolution says so because uh, the the change of what that species is occurs because of population dynamics within groups within that species Doesn't so you're matter kind, what the group so you is, are kind of saying it that kind of is saying that not you're saying, but that is saying that like it is better for us to reproduce with our group essentially, as opposed to like going outside of our group. Well, to... no, it's not really about who you reproduce with. It's 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 
it's who you are after you reproduce who who the who what the group is well um, that's what i mean uh, is, that, is that argument kind of stating that it is better to stay within your group to reproduce some of, people some people certainly think so and they don't they, and they're but and i don't think that matters i don't think that matters i don't think that matters for evolution well, yeah. though, does it it depends on what you mean by matters it has an impact on the results why though like let's just say like for for sake of making it easy for sake of making it easier to talk about let's just say i reproduce with a black woman that's not going to make it anything worse in terms of evolution right or a spanish nothing 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 is ever worse or better in terms of evolution it just is that's well no better by better i mean better 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 offspring it's not that well actually it, it does produce better offspring but that's depends on what you just what you're using as your measurement of what better means well the whole goal is for like when they say when you choose like you were talking about kin selection when you choose your mate the whole well, goal I choose no, mate, oh okay okay i, I you want the best i, I see i see where we got whatever, i was right? wondering I was wondering where this all came from because I'm not really sure where the where the issue originated at with first. me. My now issue? I do is when I said kin selection, you were thinking sexual selection in terms of who yes. choosing who you mate with. That's yeah. not what that's not what I was referring to when I was talking about kin selection. Then what is kin selection? Kin, well, that's what I was trying to describe. Kin selection is the fact that uh, 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 your siblings have half your genes, right? If you and you, if your mom and dad had two different kids, then both of those kids have 50% of your mom's genes, 50% of your dad's genes. They're all mixed up in terms of who's is which, but the point is they have the same sets of genes. About half of their genes are identical, okay? If you have a shared gene with your your brother, let's say, if your uh, manifestation of that gene, if the trait that that gene causes in you or behavior or whatever, enables your brother to have more children, then that is as good as that trait benefiting your brother directly. And it's just as good as that gene benefiting you directly in terms of evolution. Gene, the, the evolution doesn't care whose body the gene is inside, as long as the gene becomes more frequent in the gene pool. So it's possible for certain traits to evolve, to have an adaptive quality even if they don't directly increase the the uh, profligacy, the the fecundity, the the number of children that you have, if they don't increase the number of children that you have, they could still be adaptive if they increase the number of children your brother has. Right? Do you understand that reasoning? And my literal brother, kind of, not really. I'm kind of, I feel like I'm kind of getting lost on this reasoning. Um, 
So somehow all somehow all affect my literal brother, how many kids he has. Like somehow I could affect well, different behaviors on your part could, yes. Could, what do you mean by different behaviors? Like me well, being if you if you to take non-real, see, this is the problem. As soon as we start using examples, you're gonna start thinking of them literally. And these aren't literal examples. I'm just illustrating yeah. the point. If you had a gene that made you go out and gather food, but didn't have any children yourself, how does that gene get passed on to future generations so that it could be considered adaptive? Well, the answer is, well, maybe your brother has the same gene. And uh, for reasons outside the scope of our example, that gene doesn't cause him to gather the food, but because you gather the food and he has that gene, he has a lot of children. That gene now has increased in in frequency in the in the population in the gene pool because he had a lot of kids even though it wasn't behavior on his part that made the gene useful to him okay and by kin selection what do you what do you mean by well, the word kin selection kin? is a is a is a subset of natural selection in that natural selection is whatever well, what do you genes... mean what do you mean just by the word kin Kin, kin, uh, it just means a a a a, a genetic Friend? relationship. A no, genetic relationship. No, okay. genetic. Okay. Yeah, okay. your brother. So what? Your, so what you're saying is the brother, only way, the only way around. Not the only way, because you also mentioned the doctor gene. But the only one of the ways around this getting this altruism could be that my genes, the way that I act by getting more food or whatever it is, my brother could have more kids because i've essentially gotten more food essentially exactly. like and if, he, and if he has that same gene then then your behavior is in has has caused that gene to be adaptive even though you're not the one who's reproducing if one of your kin who also shares that gene reproduces more because you are showing the there are expressing that gene then that to the gene that makes no difference at all. It's, and it's, somehow, somehow that is that. kind of that is kind of like a tribal thing in the sense that, like, well, I, I I said that 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 kin selection is often thought of as the physical justification, the genetic justification for tribalism. For for uh, the the remember earlier when you said that Dawkins' basic idea was that we are all selfish, and that you know uh, the 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 that this uh, adaptive altruism enabled us to we got smart enough or we we evolved to be uh, uh, less selfish it it goes back to that the idea is that uh, animals uh, uh, always behave uh, uh, selfishly Selfishly, yes. Are there, there any are there any animals that you would say don't behave selfishly? We mentioned the dog, but that was because it was um, because of the domestic selection. Yeah. yeah. Are uh, there any other uh, animals that that are just kind of nice I, to I each other? I don't. Well, 
Now I mean, cats aren't mean. Cats aren't mean. Cats aren't mean like within their. Well, depends on what what which. <laughs> depends on on what you mean by cats. You mean domesticated cats, or you mean felines in general? Because a lion, <laughs> a lion will go around a, a male lion. <clears throat> Who was second in the? Because you know they've got these uh, hierarchies in their in their prides, right? There's the head lion, and then there's all of the the beta lions, right? The alpha lion and the beta lions. Well, if the alpha lion dies, the beta lion who becomes the new alpha will go around and kill all of the alpha, the the previous alpha lions' uh, offspring, literally. So no, cats aren't by nature nice. Uh, and why do they? No, why why will they kill the offspring? I've always kind well, of wondered. Well, for genetic reasons. Well, because it, it it to prevent the pri- previous alphas genes from competing in the gene pool with their own. Because it's just it's what nature does. It's what natural selection does. Red into like so. Ball. Basically, they they want to be the alpha. They don't want any other alpha babies exactly. coming out. They don't want the uh, any of the other old alpha babies uh, to be around and competing for resources. And they just kind of instinctively, including this. the resource of space in the gene pool. And yes, it's all instinctive. This is kind of what you were asking, and kind of what my answer is. All animal behavior, all behavior by all animals is entirely instinctive. There is no consciousness in animal behavior. Consciousness only occurs in human beings. Now, this is a very uh, uh, radical at this point uh, idea. It used to be a lot more common, but we're not allowed to think this way anymore, according to some people, because it gets some people very, very, very upset. When you say, when you just suggest that it's possible that consciousness is something that only humans have. Well, it depends. And, in my opinion, it, it depends on what you're talking about consciousness. If you're talking about consciousness as like deciding your behavior, then I would say I agree with you in terms of not being only instinctual, but and I don't even really want this. I can't really debate you on this. I think it's a hard thing to debate, but like, um, I do feel like there's a possibility that animals do feel like you know what I mean. Like I know. It, it, yeah, yeah. There's something you, it's like to be an animal. You have to. You you feel compelled to because you are conscious and you have theory of mind. And theory of mind is the ability to project consciousness into other uh, entities. It's really easy with other animals, especially when those other animals are mammals, especially when those other mammals are uh, 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 humanoid or large or have families as they all do. But we can also do it by projecting consciousness into computers or toasters or cars or any or, or a door that's particularly cantankerous and doesn't want me to leave. It's it's. That's just a, a, a natural part of what consciousness is, is having this theory of mind and uh, uh, considering it possible automatically that there are other minds beyond our own that exist in the world. 
Yeah. So, so, um, what you were saying earlier, like, why should we, why should we think that animals don't have the same, you know, we, we shouldn't, we should treat them the same as we treat ourselves, but if they I don't, didn't have say, if they're not, I didn't say anything at all about how we treat them. All I said was they have no consciousness. No, they no, no. I know not. that. But before, before this consciousness thing, yeah. animals, we were yeah. talking about tribal tribalism or whatever in tribes, you know, and um, you oh, were kind of saying, yeah, yeah, shouldn't we treat animals well too? But the thing is, if they're not conscious, does it really matter? If they're really not conscious at all, does it really matter if we treat them well? And then the, the well, second if, part of that is the if second we part. We are of that conscious. Is, does it really matter if we treat each other well? What What does the word matter mean? What What are you? What What measurement are you using? for identifying what is good or bad is it a for some for some reason i don't know why i think i maybe do know why but it's like i wouldn't want to hurt you i wouldn't want to hurt another person i would feel bad if i did that you can say oh well that's subjective or whatever but it's like i feel like that is like the one basis we have for morality is like i just don't want to do bad to another person i know there's people out there who probably don't care about that and they're, they're fine with doing bad no, to other people. no you're, you're you're explaining it well but then the question becomes but why do you have a basis for morality and that was the question i asked earlier does it come does it come from religion does it come from and evolution the, and in my in like all i know is basically the basics which is so i, I was raised christian and if if you believe fully in christianity you just believe that god gave you a conscious god gave you morality and if you don't then you believe in evolution and in, in evolution i kind of like, even though i don't know if you agree with this but i kind of feel like there must be a, a somewhere along the the way we and this is the whole thing that we've been talking about the whole time but somewhere along the way we must have like you said developed consciousness and developed feelings and kind of just i guess say you know what i don't want to i don't want you to hurt me i don't want well, me but to that's, hurt you. that's ultimately the question is which came first did we develop feelings and then develop consciousness or did we develop consciousness and then develop feelings if you believe that other animals have some consciousness if they have their you know if they have feelings first person experiential uh perspectives uh that 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 we refer to as consciousness then uh then morality is uh, uh more basic than the the thoughts and reasoning that we do consciously so that's really what it comes down to is well which came first did we develop feelings did we evolve feelings and then produce consciousness or did we produce or did we evolve consciousness and then produce feelings animals have no remorse they have no compunction they are not capable of regret because not because they cannot remember but because they have no perspective on their memories other than this happened they don't have that could be that could be somewhat of a quote-unquote intelligence intelligence thing right like like you said they don't have they don't really have long-term memories don't really have regret well no they have definitely have long-term memories that's just it oh no they don't they say elephants don't never forget they they're talking about actual long-term memories they don't have they don't have they don't have conscious 
they don't have conscious awareness of having memories because they don't have consciousness. And it's difficult for people to, to, to imagine this because people are conscious. So it's hard to imagine not being conscious. But the truth of the matter is, animals don't imagine that we're conscious because animals aren't conscious. They have no remorse. They don't have morality. They have genetic behavior and pretty much that's it. They're, they're genetic robots programmed by natural selection and operant conditioning. And I see, I, I realize that you believe that, but what is, I don't want to say what is, what does that matter, but it's kind of like, how does that play into, um, yeah, I guess, how does that play into like our morals or our all it, Exactly. All it, all it does, it shouldn't matter at all much. All it does is focus the, the issue. All it does is enable us to define what we're talking about in terms of consciousness and morality enough to actually consider them reasonably. And most people don't want, really want to consider it reasonably. They want to justify their beliefs, and that's all they want to do. And if it doesn't justify their beliefs, they're going to insist it isn't so, no matter how much evidence there might be one way or the other. And that, that's, that's the tricky part, is not uh, uh, you know, whether or not uh, uh, we treat animals well. I think we should treat all animals very well. I think we should treat many animals like they are sacred, like our entire existence on this planet should be geared towards keeping their species alive because diversity is good. Diversity is, is protection against the future without any kind of arrogant uh, assumptions about what that future is gonna be. We need diversity. Every species that, that, that goes extinct is a huge loss for us. Doesn't matter why? the species why? at all. Species why? why though? Why is it a loss for us? Because diversity is protection against the future. We don't know how, why yet. How? How? How we so don't know that? how yet. <laughs> we can't know how yet because we don't know the future. And but you're saying so, so you're saying so you're saying if some animal, a group of animals died, we, we have, could be we have no way injured? of knowing what value those animals will become to us in the future. And once they once they're gone, they're gone. Yeah. So we well, the thing is, you, the, the thing is that you also have to look at it as that we literally eat a lot of these animals, right? Like, there's kind of well, I guess there would be a way around that, but like you were yeah, saying, yeah, but how, we don't care which species it is when we eat it, as long as it's got amino acids in its muscles, we're good to go. It doesn't really matter to us which species it is. I mean, yeah. we might like the taste of you know chicken more than an iguana, but you know, we'll learn how to prepare iguana if all the chickens go extinct. That's but not my, really my, my point with that. My point with that is that you were like, so you were kind of saying that we should treat all animals well, just like ourselves. And I agree with you. Well, I'm but, saying we could. But, but, I, didn't, I wasn't but, really speaking literally and saying we should use that as a policy. I'm saying that is within the realm of possibility in my philosophy that we treat animals very well, not yeah. because we believe they are conscious but because we know we are conscious and believe they could be valuable to us. 
but unfortunately we my point with the we have to kill them to eat them is like we still have to even though we should treat them well for protection for the future or whatever we do still have to kill them to eat them right right, right. unless we, we come up unless we come up with some fake meat which we're coming up with right now right one of the the one of the ways one of the ways i i like to freak people out with well i shouldn't (laughs) say i like to freak people out but i have freaked people out with this and i find it inevitable so i go with it one of the ways i i try and make this point is that i say that we we should not slaughter animals that we're planning on eating as meat we shouldn't slaughter them with any unnecessary violence or, you know, causing them pain, unless it makes them taste better. And then there's well, even, not really even, any reason. Even, even then, we we shouldn't. I don't think, right? Well, I mean, that's, even that, that's the point that I'm ex- that we're exploring here. And no, I'm saying no. If 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 that's the reason we're slaughtering them, because they taste good, then we should slaughter them in whatever way makes them taste good. There are no moral implications directly to that now there may be knock you think. off knock on moral implications well i know but it's it comes down to nobody really knows morality for sure so let's not assume the conclusion yet let's discuss the issue if uh there there may be a knock on moral repercussions if we, you know, uh, uh, slaughter uh, uh, animals gratuitously for food, it will make people behave in a certain way because they get used to the idea of blood and yada, yada, yada. That's all a possibility that can be explored. But in direct terms, there's no moral implications to how we interact with animals because animals don't have any moral implications to themselves, animals don't have morality. Yeah, so they basically, you shouldn't you, like you more, shouldn't treat someone who uh, doesn't have like like you shouldn't treat Hitler well because Hitler himself doesn't have like if somebody doesn't have moral implications himself, whether it be an animal or a human, you well, don't have well, the, the, you don't have the obligation. But you, just, but you just but you just you just assumed the conclusion. You just skipped over the entirety of the argument by saying it doesn't matter if it's animal or human. No. It all, that's the, that's what the word matter means is whether or not it's animal or human. If it has consciousness and morality, or if it is simply a a biological robot programmed by natural selection and. Yeah. Well, the problem that I have with that is you believe that they're not conscious, but not everybody does. So it's like. Exactly. But like, okay, so before we get too far, I want to make that's, sure we cover That's the tricky every, bit. <laughs> I want to make sure we cover everything that we want to cover. And I am totally fine with going over evolutionary biology, psychology, which we have, religion, which we have. And I don't know if you want to get more into like consciousness. Um, uh, what else? But yeah, so I mean, I do have... I just don't want to like, I want to make sure we cover everything because you kind of came on to talk about consciousness and we've gotten off the topic, which is fine. But I feel like they're all oh, then also um, physics and metaphysics or whatever. Um, but one last thing regarding this thing is the kin. Kin selection. The kin selection thing. So you're saying that you, you don't agree with Dawkins in his book and you have 
you know, reasons. Well, it's not that I disagree with him about One thing that I would really bring up really quickly is let's just say that somewhere along the line in, in, in human evolution, our group kind of realized, okay, if we work together, we're better in surviving than if we if we're just doggy dog everybody. Right. So right. like we have a group, which I think goes back to your tribal thing, what you were saying about tribalism. But if you but that doesn't necessarily apply to today, just because in the past we've evolved from somewhat of tribalism. But let's just say let's just say our group did better. Somehow we somehow we learned to work together. We weren't still in like the the gene replicating thing and it was just purely just selfishness we're like okay we're, we're doing better as a group and we're 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 um, surviving longer and everything don't you think that's a possibility that our group will survive longer than maybe other groups or um does that does that make sense um, well yes i i think i understand what you're what you're trying to make sense out of and my point is consciousness predates that that is that is what consciousness allows us to do. What you've described essentially is morality. Well, and that's if we and all that's, follow and that's, these rules, it's better fine. for everybody. So, I mean, when when coming to the question of the selfishness issue, that, in my opinion, could answer that question of then you can ask, well, how did we get to that point where we realized that? But somewhere along the, the way, and that's where morality comes from. So, yeah. um, with that being said, do you feel like, okay, so we live in America. I think, I think we would both agree that most of our morals in America seem to be quote unquote correct in the sense that like, we're not, you know, we're not like, um, so social mores. We're not like what social mores as ethics versus morality is, is the, the topic that I think you're, you're asking you're going to be asked so, did you say social morals more well mores m-o-r-e-s it's it means morals yeah basically okay. it means the it means the 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 recognized social ethics that we that we adopt as a cultural expectation yeah and so would you say that you agree that like us in America, for the most part, obviously there's, there's things that are wrong in America, but for the most part, we all kind of agree on the same. You shouldn't murder. You shouldn't treat women badly. You shouldn't well, like, you, treat, you shouldn't be racist, well, like that type of stuff. Yeah. But then in other yeah, countries, you go yes. to like, you, you go to like the Middle East or whatever. And um, what's the dude saying? Like Saddam or whatever. Like, do you think we like Saddam Hussein or, or Hitler in, in Germany, do you feel like we have, a right to believe that we are correct or do you feel like i i believe that we do have a just a a a a, a cultural justification for uh perceiving our approach to morality as objectively superior to uh, uh, some other cultures for real uh, uh, both uh, 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 pragmatic 
natural and moral intellectual reasons. But all bets are off in terms of identifying which cultures those are and why exactly this is. We developed self-government with the Declaration of Independence and the, you know, the, the United States Constitution and all of that. And I think there's value to that, which a lot of people throughout the rest of the world agree with. But this doesn't make it a, a, a necessarily a natural order, just a very useful order. And societies that don't have our perspective on self-government, on government of the people, by the people, and for the people, that use a, a more authoritative model, whether it be a, a religious model like the Islamists or a political model uh, like, the, like the, the, you know, the Russians or the Chinese, I think we do in fact have a superior system that does, uh, 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 that, that, that uh, encourages, well, diversity and freedom. And these are good things. So uh, I'm not gonna say that, uh, I, you know, you can pronounce judgment on it, the, the morality of America as objectively good, but we're trying at least, you know, when you said, you say, you know, you shouldn't kill people. Well, most people throughout the world will agree you shouldn't kill people. The question always comes down to which exceptions you, you allow. And because everybody allows some exceptions, <coughs> even if it's only self-defense. And then you said, you know, you should treat women well and treat uh, uh, and, and shouldn't be racist. Well, those aren't necessarily as automatic and fixed in terms of being ideals that Americans strive for as a as a group as a whole. That as as you know, we used to think back when I was a kid in 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 the seventies, right after the the civil rights uh, uh, revolution. So. Back yeah. then, would are you saying that back? You mean people were more racist back then? Is that what you're saying? And this, uh, no, although they were, um, <laughs> but there, there, the, there's, there's been an arc throughout my life that started pretty much the at the moment I was born, almost in 1963, with the passing of the Civil Rights Act, where, uh. uh Racism and big, other forms of bigotry became very unfashionable and unacceptable. And we're, we're pretty much at the other end of that arc now where they are starting to become more and more accept, acceptable. Um, oh, do you, and, do you feel that? Do you feel that way? You feel like it's becoming more acceptable? Oh, yeah, yeah, without a doubt. Well, I, I would say the opposite, or at least, at least a push for the opposite. Well, I, th I think you're... I think you're 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 you might be dealing with an insular bubble uh, problem if you think that Roe v. You're, Wade. So you're got saying you're, you're saying that what's uh, up? Uh, white nationalists are marching in the streets. We're not necessarily you know still on the same path that we have been over the last fifty years in terms of making bigotry a historical problem. It's now a 
an endemic historical problem uh, and seems to be getting worse. A lot of people are coming up with a lot of reasons, a lot of justifications for being more racist than their than than previous generations have been. Um, and I think it's a real problem. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Like you said, it could be because of just where I live. I live in Southern California. So it's like yeah. there's there's not a is there is there racism going on like in you live in Pennsylvania, right? Yeah, I live in Pennsylvania, but there's plenty of racism in Southern California if you look for it. Um, I'm sure there is, but don't you feel like as not, a whole? Not as much I, as in I, Pennsylvania, I, though. That goes without saying. I it's feel not, like there's more. I don't live in as progressive an area of the country as you do. Yeah, I, I feel like there. Um, I don't know. Even even as a whole, I feel like people are kind of like waking up. I think mostly because of the Internet. And I even though there, there's I feel like there is maybe you can say more polarization. So the extreme kind of. Right. Well, that's where the polarization is coming from, is pushback against that wokeism. People are waking up. Well, yeah. And a lot of people are 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 uh, not reacting well to people becoming woke and and they're not necessarily going to stop that the way throughout my life people had always assumed they were going to throughout my from 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 when i was young until very recently and very near the end of the 20th century heck even after this beginning of the 21st century when most people uh uh were were uh, frankly, in denial about what was going on, and I wasn't. I was quite uh, well aware of it. The, the 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 arc of history has been bending less towards justice than we assumed that it was going to. Everybody thought that the you know the racists would just die out, right? They they get old, they die, and then we'll go on and be a a, a progressive. Uh, a forward-thinking uh, 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 kumbaya kind of state. Now, I'm not necessarily saying that there's no. Uh, uh, I'm not necessarily saying that there's any value to being regressive uh, uh, or or bigoted, because there isn't. But nevertheless, there are bar bad arguments against those things. And sometimes uh, it is true there are certain people with the best of intentions who, who uh, make those bad arguments and, and demand uh, to, to, to be justified in making those bad arguments. And that actually makes the situation worse. So uh, we're getting into politics and it starts getting very, even much more complicated than... than than uh, evolutionary psychology. Yeah. So, <laughs> in terms of, um, well, first of all, do you think I don't want to get back into politics? But like, do you think that a lot of this has to do with kind of like just Trump? But not even necessarily. I don't even. I'm not even necessarily say that Trump's a, a racist, but him just being so polarizing that he, he oh, kind of was Trump's like a racist. <laughs> Trump's a big old racist. You think um, so? No, Trump was the manifestation of it. Trump is when it became <laughs> obvious. Trump is the whitehead, but the actual—that's kind of what I mean. He kind of he kind of brought it out. Pimple is underneath the skin and has been festering for uh, uh, many years. And again, we, we give 
I, I, I could go on about politics as long as I could go on about philosophy. Yeah. It's, it's okay. not a subject I'm unfamiliar with. And I've worked out a lot of what's going on to my own satisfaction. I wouldn't mind, you know, uh, uh, presenting that for other people's satisfaction as well. But that's not really the topic we were looking to explore. Well, whatever, whatever direction you want to go in as far as right now, um, whether we go like just directly into consciousness or even metaphysics type stuff or go back to the evolutionary would it be evolutionary psychology well, biology i mean both like evolutionary uh, psychology is a very is a, is a very specific uh 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 well i don't even want to call it a school it's not that that uh uh, uh well constructed but it, it's a particular approach to um uh uh human behavior which is kind of anti-consciousness it's it's sort of the opposite of consciousness consciousness becomes completely irrelevant just a a, a, a meaningless word um, when you start looking at things from an evolutionary psychology point of view because you make the assumption that any behavior that humans uh, uh, present uh, that that we manifest is uh just an expression of genetic adaptation um and the uh, uh, uh the, the 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 intellectual conscious examination and evaluation of that behavior is post hoc it's that's after the fact it doesn't that's that's just meaningless uh uh uh, uh excuses we make and that's kind of the part of the problem of evolutionary psychology. I'm not a fan of evolutionary psychology itself, but talking of, uh, uh, speaking about the what what I'm what I'm uh, hearing from you when you uh, refer to the the metaphysics, if you will, of of consciousness, I'm thinking it. Um, It kind of uh, uh, assumes that that we haven't already been talking about nothing but consciousness this whole time. To me, this is all the same subject um, because there isn't really a uh, a very exacting physical mechanism that we say that 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 we can find that is consciousness. The way we can, for instance, find one and say that's uh, uh, cognizance or that's uh, uh, language or that's uh, 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 pain. Consciousness is whatever it is you're thinking of when you use the word consciousness and consciousness is the ability to do that, to just think of the word consciousness as having a meaning. Only a conscious entity can do that. So it becomes very self-referential and regressive i don't think there are there is any metaphysics of consciousness itself there isn't a mechanism of consciousness there's a result it's just what happens when you have self-determination it requires memory of course it involves uh uh uh, uh perception sense sense perception um, 
but it isn't a coherent thing beyond that self-referential idea of the ability to consciously experience things. So I'm not sure if it, if, if, if when we start talking about the, the metaphysics or the physics, in fact, uh, we want to start talking about the, the craziness of, 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 of quantum uh, uh, uncertainty and all of that and how that might relate to consciousness. I don't think that actually relates to consciousness any more or any less than, you know, the politics and Donald Trump and why the, the, so much of our, of our country uh, uh, seems to be going nuts in so many ways, the political divisiveness and all of that. I see it all as one big piece. Um, and it relates to what I call postmodernism, which is that moment when, when, when Charles Darwin figured out that human existence can be explained scientifically, that it doesn't require a God or a divine creation in order for our, uh, uh, our conscious intellect uh, to exist. So, yeah, I think I brought up the postmodernism thing last time. And is that yeah. basically what it is? They well, basically did that start with, I did it start it. with Darwin, Darwin? It's the way I see it. It's a very uh, uh, idiosyncratic perspective, I'll admit. Uh, but it seems to hold up. Every time anybody questions it and I explain it, it, it seems to hold up even better. And yes, I think that's what it was. We had the modern era of philosophy that started with Socrates and Plato and Aristotle and continued through, you know, William of Ockham and Ockham's Razor and uh, uh, St. Augustine and, and, and uh, uh, humanism and Descartes and all of that. Hume, nice big arc of all modern philosophy where uh, it was uh, uh, quite uh, uh, appropriately presumed that our power of reasoning, rather than any kind of uh, uh, verification by scripture, can enable us to figure out what we are and what we're doing here, and what and is I guess right that... and what is wrong. That's modernism. Postmodernism guess... started. Boom. The moment that Charles Darwin discovered uh, evolution by natural selection, and it became possible to explain human intellect and reasoning and philosophy uh, with science, with a logical explanation for its existence. And that leads to the evolutionary psychology and the postmodernism that we have today, which has ultimately ended with, you know, Reagan and Bush and Trump and the world we live in. Oh, you think it's, you think it's, it's, it's ended? Well, it's the, uh, the past has ended. It's ended in this moment. It's, you know, it's going to keep ending every moment that occurs after this. No, but, but I no, mean the post. It, it has, the post. No, no. Didn't you just say that postmodernism well, kind of ended? From my, from, well, I, maybe, maybe the way I said that uh, 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 suggested something that I didn't really mean to say. 
I oh, think yeah. it's ended for me because I figured out what postmodernism is and now know how to reject it and now know how to overcome the postmodernism. So the, it, it, in the future, they may look back and say that the postmodern age ended with the philosophy of reason. It's possible. Um, there's no way I can know that now, but that's certainly what I'm going for. That's my hope. That's why I'm here on this podcast talking to you and on Reddit, arguing with people and in, in, in subreddits where I will eventually get kicked off for making too good an argument. Because that's what it is all about to me is this postmodern age and the problems that it causes in the human psyche and our, our, our intellectual and emotional reactions to these, these uh, things that we are told are absolute truths that we know in our heads and in our hearts. We know for sure they are not true. They cannot possibly be true, but we don't have any uh, uh, logical explanation or, or proof uh, to, to explain why, how they're not true, that causes a lot of existential angst. And it's existential angst that causes all the anxiety and depression and violence and drug use and extremist politics and all of the other problems of the world. It all derives from postmodernism, in my view. And that's oh, because- So you think postmodernism is almost like bad then? Yes, I definitely consider postmodernism to be sort of a, in, I use it certainly as a kind of generic term for everything wrong with the world, but that's not what I mean when I say it. What I mean is something very specific, something closest, most easily identified as the information processing theory of mind. The idea that we are all genetic robots that consciousness is just a, what's called an epiphenomenon. It's a side effect of the neural network processing in our brains. Our brains are computers. They evolved to calculate, to, to, to compute things. And that's the adaptive advantage that our, that our, uh, our human brains give us. I think that's an incorrect assumption. Yeah. What were the what were the absolute truths that you're talking about that you said in our head we we know are absolute truths? Like what well, are you talking one, about? The one I just said. The information processing theory of mind, the idea that you're a computer. Oh, so you don't. Okay. So you don't right. Agree no, I don't with... believe that's true. The information processing theory of mind is the problem. That's what's that's postmodernism. That's what's causing all of the anxiety and and and, and violence and 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 political divisiveness is we're all trying to achieve this ideal of being logical. And we know we can't ever achieve it and that frustrates us and makes us mad. And guess what? That isn't a logical reaction and that itself proves, no, we don't act logical. We're not even supposed to be trying to act logical. What we're supposed to be doing is act reasonable. What we're supposed to be doing is acting good. And morality becomes important again Whereas the postmodern age has deprecated morality, where it's, oh, that's just religion. I want to talk about science. And that's why I try and uh, uh, re, uh, re 
<coughs> revise that approach and say, well, that's all science is, or all, all religion is, is what we called science before it was science. And that's all science is, is religion in your own uh, 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 absolute knowledge and, and logic. And uh, that's an absence of diversity. That's a you assuming you know what the future is. And so you know which things we need to keep. And I say, no, you don't know the future. We need to keep everything. We need diversity. And that includes diversity of thought. And that includes different people believing different religions. Everybody recognizing that science is not the absolute arbiter of truth. It's just a handy mechanism for developing theories that can be quantifiably applied. And if you can't quantifiably apply it, don't call it science because it's not. So that that gets yeah. back to the you know New Church of Hope philosophy of reason religion aspects of it, and obviously far away from the uh, from the, the the metaphysical consciousness. Uh, yeah, bit that, that we said we wanted to to go towards. And yeah, unfortunately, I have to wrap things up as my girlfriend got home. We're, we're gonna that's eat. okay. But um, that's okay. If you ever, like, honestly, I feel like there's so much that we could go over because there's so many, you have a lot to say, and there's so many questions that I could ask for each thing that I'm, it's hard for me to cover everything, um, even if you nope. want to go over politics or whatever again. Um, and most well, of the time- I'll talk about what like, you ask about. That's, I won't yeah. necessarily be good at it, but I'll give it my best shot. I'm happy to be here, and I, I no, appreciate I, the opportunity. I feel like you are good at it, and- um, so yeah, yeah, we'll we'll talk about it off off um off but um off the podcast. But um lastly, I'll just ask you who are some if I want to get into more into consciousness, more into all this stuff that we're talking about, evolutionary psychology, evolutionary biology. Yeah. One question I want to ask you about was do you know who Brett Weinstein is or Eric Weinstein or Brett Weinstein? They're kind of like Joe Rogan type people. You know Joe uh, Rogan, right? Yeah. Yeah, I know who Joe Rogan is. Yeah. So what are, do you watch any of his podcasts? No, no. Okay. I don't, so I don't are, really watch podcasts though. So that's not really a. Okay. It's on YouTube. To, yeah. Yeah. So anything, I mean, in my opinion, there are, even though you might not like Joe Rogan, there are people who go on his podcast that you might be interested in. But anyways, I was going to ask you, who are some people that I should listen to? You just said you don't listen to podcasts. Well, but yeah, like yeah, guys... I wouldn't be able to tell you in that in that realm, like the you know whose YouTube videos kind of thing to look at. But I, I remember you asked about this at the beginning of the uh, the podcast today, and I got kind of got stuck with Dawkins because I wanted to talk about the selfish gene, but I was going to make it a triumvirate. I was going to say, well, Dawkins is where I started because that's that's you know, like I said, when I was young, I read that book and it had a profound impact on me. But basically, you just got to go Dennett and Chalmers, Dennett and Chalmers, Dennett and Chalmers. You got Dennett who talks about the, the, the mechanistic scientific approach of, you know, Cartesian theater, he calls it and all that. And consciousness is an illusion. Uh, 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 supposedly based on the reality of physics. And then you've got Chalmers, who's the guy who developed the idea of P-zombies and uh, the hard problem of consciousness, who is supposedly a non-physicalist. He is an idealist. He says, science will never be able to explain what consciousness is because 
uh, consciousness is the ability to experience things personally, and science can't experience things personally. It's an abstract, artificial, external uh, mechanism of discovery. So you gotta you gotta look at both of those. You gotta go back and forth with them and weigh them. Um, and uh, you know, don't don't disrespect either of them. They're both extremely intelligent men, but they're both postmodernists. They're both choosing a side on this instead of recognizing. Yeah, the problem is th that the the problem isn't that the questions uh, don't have good answers. The questions the the problem is that the that the that they aren't good questions. Um, so even though even though you don't agree with Chalmers and and Dennett, Daniel, well, Dennett I don't, and, and I don't entirely Chalmers, agree right? with anybody, but I don't entirely disagree with anybody either. I understand why, like just like with Dawkins, I understand why Dawkins was saying what he was saying. I understand why Dawkins thought it was a good argument for what he was trying to prove. I disagree that he actually managed to prove it, and I have a very well thought out and complete in my mind uh, a description of where that problem was and why it happened and 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 how to get around it and and what the right question is because he was asking the wrong ones and the same thing is true of of dennett and and chalmers and anybody else uh and that, then that, dennett that, sorry no uh, go dennett, ahead. isn't dennett like the, the he believes that everything is conscious then it's no no that's the uh I don't. I don't believe so. No. no Who am I thinking not. of? That then it is a physicalist. Then its view is closest to nothing is conscious. I don't remember whose name. I don't remember the man's name, but I think I know exactly who you're talking about. On a lot of YouTube videos recently, uh, 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 the the panpsychist kind of uh, yeah uh, uh, perspective, where yeah, consciousness is fundamental. Chalmers is the more academically uh, 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 respectable end of that group of uh, of of idealists. Uh, but he's not he's not technically a panpsychist, right? Because the idealism is different. Chalmers certainly isn't. No, no. Yeah, because panpsychism is different than idealism. Idealism is that we're living well, in consciousness. Panpsychism is, is that everything is panpsychism. Panpsychism, depending on who you talk to and which definitions you look at, panpsychism is a subgroup of idealism. It is a kind of idealism. Not all idealism is panpsychism. And there is some panpsychism that would insist it is not idealism. But it is yeah. because it's not physicalism. Idealism basically just means anything but physicalism. The problem is most people who are physicalists want it to be so rigorously absolute kind of physicalism that they end up being uh, 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 completely uh, uh, well religious in their scientification i call it scientification is when you treat science as if it were a religion and and scientists as if they were high priests and 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 uh, equations as if they were uh, uh, holy scripture. <laughs> yeah, and I just recently and 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 physicalism is that the same as materialism? Yeah, well, they're related. They're, they're depending yeah. on who you talk to and how they're gonna how they're gonna yeah. sort things out. They're they're pretty much the same thing. 
So uh, I just I recently listened to Chalmers on there's this what there's a YouTube channel called Closer to Truth, and they they talk yeah. about all this type of stuff, science and consciousness. And Chalmers was on recently, and to be honest with you, a lot of this stuff these guys say, I have a hard time understanding. I think that are they just so smart that they're like on another level well, as uh, me? A lot of like, a lot of it is they've forgotten what it's like. They've forgotten what it's like not to know that stuff. They they already know all the background. And they're kind of assuming that everybody else that they're talking to has that same background. So they're kind of, you know, jumping in at a very advanced point. So a lot of the things they say don't won't seem to make sense if you don't have that background. It will sound in it might very well sound like they're being completely crazy. But they're there, it's difficult to distinguish that from. Well, I know what they're talking about. I understand it completely, but I still disagree with it. It's very difficult for postmodernists, which is pretty much everybody in the world these days. As I explained, anybody who's been educated since Darwin has got some postmodernism. It's very difficult for postmodernists to understand something that they don't agree with, because a lot of the techniques of, of the intellect, intellectual approach of postmodernism is is disabling disagreeable truths and finding excuses for not understanding something unless you agree with it. So if you don't agree with it, well, then you find it in, in impossible to understand. And if you wish to disagree with it, all you have to do is find it impossible to understand. I go the other way because I'm not postmodernist because I've rejected that approach. And I have found that I'm very capable of understanding things and still disagreeing with them. And other people seem to have a lot more trouble doing that. Yeah. Like I've heard Sean Carroll, you know, Sean Carroll. No, you should no, check him out. He's like a, he's a physicist, a theoretical physicist, but I, yeah, I've listened to more of these guys on, I'm forgetting the guy. I'm try, I wanted to look up who I looked up, but I listened to another guy, a physicist, Will, forget his name but i listened to recently i listened to max tegmark you know max tegmark nope he's also a physicist so I'm, but anyways I'm um, probably very familiar with most of what these people are saying uh i just don't tend to pay attention to who says it i'm i'm uh, just gonna yeah. pay attention to the ideas i can send you some of the youtube clips or whatever but um as far as dennett um, where would I listen to him? I, I've, I've looked Daniel Dennett, Dennett. I've looked him up. Well, where can I've, I listen seen, to him? I've seen a, I've seen a bunch of, uh, of videos, uh, uh, from him through the, our consciousness, uh, 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 subreddit. Um, okay. So just basically on YouTube. Yeah. Yeah. They're essentially, they're yeah. coming from YouTube or, or whatever other sources people use for those. I never go to YouTube. I don't bother uh, surfing YouTube. I've, uh, you know, Where I you just see videos that get posted on the on the on the Reddit. Okay, okay. Which aren't on? They're not YouTube links, or they are YouTube links. You just watch them on Reddit. I see them as videos. <laughs> okay, <laughs> okay. They post them as links, but they show yeah. up to me as videos. I don't yeah. even necessarily know whether they're YouTube links or they so might lastly, be other videos. You know, they might lastly be to go over your. I think you already explained why, but I'm kind of already forgetting what, what was your explanation for why Dawkins was wrong? If you can summarize it. Well, just to summarize it, because in order to be altruism, that thing we're trying to call altruism, 
has to be selfless. It has to not benefit the person who's doing it as much as it benefits someone else. And that kind of thing simply cannot genetically evolve according to the rules of natural selection. Now, most people will say, you know, the, 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 the most of the pushback I get when I say this is simply people who assume that that trait already exists within an entire population, kind of the way you did when I said, well, it, when you said, well, at some time we must have just gotten together and all said, well, if we all act nice to one another, it will be better for us. But that in, requires everybody in that group, in that population to already have that gene for being nice. If it's in fact a gene, you weren't talking about it being a gene, you were talking about it being an intellectual choice. But that's the whole debate of consciousness is which side is it on? Is, is uh, emotions a result of consciousness or a cause of consciousness? Is morality a result of consciousness or a cause of consciousness? <coughs> and is, you know, emotion uh, a result of morality or a cause of morality? And how all these things connect together, that's, that's the big question that we're asking. Okay, and lastly, I wanted to ask you this before, but I didn't get the chance to, but um, everything in terms of Darwinism or, evol or evolutionary evolutionary theory is basically based on these genes and nothing works outside of these genes, right? So like, even if I change in my lifetime, let's just say I was born with certain genes, but I became or, like a, I became like a, a welder or something. That doesn't necessarily mean that like that welding um, that I've learned will pass on to my kids unless I exactly. teach them. Exactly. Yeah. So everything yes. in evolution has to be based on, Genes, which basically means it has to be based on the weaker are essentially killed off, and then the stronger aren't. And so, well, the stronger that's just it. The definition of what weaker means is whatever ends up getting killed off. It's not, yeah. you know, it's uh, we we think of survival as the fittest as something other than well, the definition of fit is whoever survives. There isn't any value judgment going on in evolution it is simply well all the animals reproduce as much as they can and you end up after a few generations with more of one kind of animal than the other and there's and know, then there's no no and uh, then morality to it and then there's and then there's mutations right mutations right, mutation happen, mutation which, would is well, any change things. in a gene. The whole idea of evolution is that uh, mutations are, are flaws in the replication of gene. When, when you reproduce, all of your genes get copied. Well, some of those copies are wrong. They're copied badly. And it ends up being a different version of that gene, a different allele, a different gene, if you will. Sometimes that actually ends up being a good thing because that wrong version ends up creating a protein that has a beneficial effect. No way to know in advance. And there's okay. no way to, 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 to change it once it happens. And so, yeah. And lastly, do you think that, there, that we're missing anything there's in evolution that like has happened that we just don't 
know about in terms of in terms of yeah. not being the genes outside of the genes in 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 a, in a way oh oh in terms of it being out well it doesn't matter if it's the genes or anything else it would still be subject to natural selection it's just all we have found so far there are things called epigenetics which is stuff about the genes it's actually which hydrogen uh, uh, where where hydrogen atoms happen to cling to on your dna strands that actually has an effect on your children and and how they grow and develop and how their children's children grow and develop that isn't technically part of the genes it's epigenetic it's outside of the genes but it's still essentially what we're talking about when we talk about genetic information it's just not the obvious easy uh, uh parts of the of the of the genes so all right sounds good unfortunately i have to wrap things up because that's yeah no but problem I'll, I'll i'll hit you up on reddit and we'll we'll do another yep. one yeah you do all that right, all right thanks Thank for you. your time i hope it no helps. problem bye